Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth and concepts for improving organizational culture. This is your host, Philip Grison. As you increase your wisdom, I hope you enlighten others on your path towards greatness. If you want to go further, head over to leaderthink.com. Hey, everybody. Today, we are covering the sixth and final principle of the series on human performance. People achieve high levels of performance through encouragement and reinforcement. Similar to the leadership principle, this can be a hard one to implement because once again, we are trying to change people from the inside. Motivating high performance through encouragement and reinforcement is an inside job. It's also a little unnatural in the sense that our brains are wired to deliver more energy to focusing on what is wrong instead of what is right. We can definitely get better at this, but it's one of those things you have to put intentional effort into. You can't just remember to do it and do it well. Positive reinforcement is often an overlooked leadership trait. When we look back on what we learned from Pavlov's dog, the greatest influence on behavior is soon, certain, and positive. The weakest influence on behavior is late, uncertain, and negative. Unfortunately, a lot of traditional safety systems fall into the late, uncertain, and negative category. We have all seen organizations use lagging indicators such as incident rates and EMR as a measurement or reward system. If an incident occurs, uncertain, you won't receive your bonus, negative, at the end of a quarter or a year, late. When viewed through the science of influences on behavior, that traditional system is the weakest thing we could ever do. Luckily, our industry is becoming more aware of the need to move away from these traditional lagging indicators, but they still remain as formal safety metrics all over this country. We are in the middle of a transition, but we definitely haven't arrived to the other side yet. We can all help spread the message of how those older safety metrics are going away because they go against science. At the same time, we need to lead our industry down the path we want it to go down. Back to soon certain positive reinforcement. It's important to mention that there are naturally occurring soon certain positives that happen all the time at work that go against safety. When someone is doing work and they reach a point where they have to make a decision on the next step, this powerful motivator can influence people to do something risky. As a simple example, if you're working from an A-frame ladder and need to reach just a little bit higher, the soon certain positive could be to get up on the top step and get the work done. It was soon because it only took a few seconds. It was certain because it worked. It was positive because you got the job done and you didn't get hurt. I think a lot of us have had that experience in our own lives, even though we know it's not the safe thing to do. Even when we know the statistics of how often people get hurt doing something like that, this powerful influence on behavior can motivate us to do things that are unsafe, and it is happening all around us. There are many soon certain positives in our work that occur naturally, yet go against the type of safety performance that we want to see. This is what we are up against. 
Not wearing safety glasses or a face shield for a minute, not wearing a respirator, not using fall protection, not locking out the breaker. This force of influence is always with us. That is the battle we face. Positive reinforcement for safe behavior is working against the natural positive reinforcement of skipping safety steps. If we don't put a lot of intentional effort into positive reinforcement for safe behavior, the naturally occurring reinforcement of at-risk behavior will often win. Most traditional safety accountability programs are based on if you got caught doing something wrong, it's uncertain. The discipline could be determined and delivered later, late, and of course it falls into the negative category. Through the eyes of behavior reinforcement, a lot of traditional safety efforts fall into the weakest of the weak category. This means we have to completely shift our thinking and how we influence safe behavior on our projects. When we go down this path, people can often struggle with what the alternative looks like. Back to recordables and EMR. If we used to count incidents, what do we count instead? Gauges are good, and we do need to measure performance. Yet we also need to shift into encouragement and great behavior reinforcement being a cultural norm in the organization. Consistent, genuine, positive feedback is a lot harder to count. But maybe counting things is not the right mindset within this cultural shift we desire. In the words of William Bruce Cameron, not everything that counts can be counted, and not everything that can be counted counts. Where we really want to go is to move toward a culture where deep, sincere, accurate praise is a way of life in the organization. We do this to combat the naturally occurring positive reinforcement that is inherent to risky decision-making. It's our defense for the offense. Imagine a battle with no defense for the offense. It's obvious who will win. Although it's hard to put a number on it, Consistent, positive encouragement needs to become the way we do things here. Leaders must be trained in the science of behavior reinforcement. They must be trained in the emotional aspect of encouragement. They need to be given great examples of what that looks like in classrooms and in the field. They must also be observed and coached in the field to perfect their delivery of this powerful influence on behavior. You know, most employees hear more about what they are doing wrong than what they are doing right. That's normal. It's normal for our limbic brain to look for what's wrong and try to correct it. What's unusual in work culture is to deliver deep, sincere, accurate praise on a consistent basis. It's hard to do this because we are working against the long-developed caveman brain. It's not something that we just remember to do all the time, and our brain is equipped with more energy to look for what is wrong. A lot of leaders are given the role of problem solver. So what do they naturally do? Look for problems to solve. We have to work at this, be intentional, and schedule time to do it. Some of our clients are scheduling time for upper management to visit the field and deliver sincere, positive encouragement while they engage with the workforce. This is a great starting point as leadership drives the safety culture. But beyond upper management, 
This needs to be a regular tool of influence with middle managers as well. The relationship between a worker and their direct supervisor is a powerful influence on behavior. Although it is best to start with upper management, we really need to work on direct supervisors to see this become a cultural norm. Like a lot of leadership concepts, easy to say, a lot harder to do. Some people just aren't aware of the science of this concept. Others struggle with the emotional component, and some are dealing with both. I still hear supervisors question at times, why should I give these people positive reinforcement when they are paid to work safely? But what are the thoughts they are having underneath those words? Do they even know the greatest influence on human behavior is soon certain positive? Maybe we need to start there with some education on the science of this topic. Maybe they themselves have never received deep, sincere praise. Maybe they have no example to follow. When we are trying to increase positive reinforcement, there's often an emotional element. Sometimes, one of the best ways to get supervisors and managers to start delivering more positive feedback is to start giving more of it to them. We need to show people what we want in our culture. When it comes to encouragement, these skills are not innate, and there aren't a whole lot of great examples around us to follow. Beginning with upper management starts this cultural shift. Pouring into middle management makes it a cultural norm. According to a 2004 Gallup survey, the average worker receives a few minutes of positive feedback versus thousands of hours of negative criticism each year. 65% received zero recognition all year long. But people who did receive regular recognition and praise increased their productivity, engagement, and commitment to the organization. I think that study can really open some eyes to the recognition deficit we have in our culture. Most people hear more about what they do wrong. Few are praised for what they do right. Many hear nothing at all. Yet top performers receive regular reinforcement and encouragement. John Maxwell says focusing on undesired behavior increases self-doubt. Skepticism returns your lack of confidence with mediocrity. Isn't that so true? Not everyone is this way, but most people feel let down when you point out their mistakes and shortcomings. Most people don't respond with thanks for pointing out my flaws. You have inspired me to do better next time. Most often, people respond with words that defend why they did what they did while also experiencing a major downer. So with all the great intent of fixing problems, we often unintentionally degrade people's belief in their ability to perform well. I think the safety profession struggles with this more than other industries. We can't just ignore at-risk behavior. The consequence of ignoring at-risk behavior can be death. We have to address it or someone could die because we didn't. This reality we face makes the need for delivering praise so much greater when the opportunity presents itself. 
We know we are not balanced with this positive feedback, and there are very good reasons for us to address certain issues. At the same time, as we step back and look at the big picture, there is a tremendous lack of positive reinforcement going on in the safety profession. We have to work harder at moving that needle than other industries that don't have to focus on preventing death like we do. More is expected of us in the safety profession. That is the unpleasant circumstance we have to succeed in. But how much sweeter is the fruit of that work, considering what we do for a living? So it's not an easy principle, for sure. But it is also something that can greatly increase the engagement and performance of our people. For the rest of this podcast, I want to focus on what great looks like within this human performance principle. Let's start from a place where good job is perceived as lame. Is saying good job better than extinction or not saying anything at all? Definitely. But if we are moving away from mediocrity and our desires to achieve greatness from that lens, good job is lame. I think Bill Walsh said it best. Nothing is more effective than sincere, accurate praise, and nothing is more lame than a cookie-cutter compliment. Authentic leaders connect. Good job is a cookie-cutter compliment. Deep, sincere, accurate praise pulls on heartstrings. That is the influence we want to give, engaging their heart more than their ears. Good job is often perceived as lacking authenticity. Although well-intended, it can be perceived as disingenuous, as something a leader says because the organization wants them to say it. It's a lot harder to perceive deep, sincere, accurate praise as fake. Real praise comes from our heart and touches the hearts of those we influence. John Maxwell says you should praise the behavior more than the person. Praising the behavior influences people to do more of that behavior. When we praise the person, we can unintentionally strengthen their ego. We all have an ego. Our ego tends to be hovering around low self-esteem or arrogance. We want to influence people to believe in their ability to achieve high levels of performance. But we don't want to strengthen arrogance. When we praise people without praising the behavior we want to see more of, we can strengthen the arrogance of the ego. When we praise the activity or behavior, we point them toward the very specific thing we want to strengthen, what they are doing right. Here's a simple example. Instead of, you are my best performer, we should say, you have the most detailed confined space entry plan I have ever seen. I love your focus on the rescue plan. This can often be overlooked, but you always give it the same level of attention as the entry plan and doing the actual job. I love how you always give equal attention to the rescue plan. I've noticed that you do this consistently, not just today, but I've noticed how you have done this every time on this project. I want you to know how much I appreciate you going that extra mile and doing it consistently. Deep, sincere, from the heart, and praising the behavior more than the person. 
In that example, I mentioned past behaviors. You can take this further by giving historical examples of the behavior you want to see more of. When you praise people by giving a historical example of the behavior they displayed, you will often notice how their eyes sort of look up toward their prefrontal cortex. When you do this, they are going back to their memory and their brain. They are creating a visual picture of what they did that you want to see more of. Since most humans learn visually, you are tapping into that power and using it as a tool of influence. You are going beyond just words and helping the individual create a visual to go along with the words. Your influence is so much more powerful when you do this. The historical example could be a past project, a past task on the current project, or something you observed this morning. This points us to the power of observation. We need to spend a little time just observing people. Notice them. It's good to take a few moments to just look around the project and notice people. Intentionally look around to see what people are doing right. Maybe you engage with them later today. Maybe you get distracted and don't get a chance to engage with them until next month. But when you intentionally take time to just notice people, those observations turn into additional ammo in the influence toolbox to bring out when that opportunity arises. We need to build up a box of positive observations to draw from. The more curious we are about positive behavior, the more we strengthen it. There are a lot of safety conversations that have a but in them. I noticed you have all your PPE on, but when we do that, a lot of workers are waiting for the but before we ever get to it. This is engaging the limbic brain. The but encourages a defensive posture. We become the threat the limbic brain is always on the lookout for. From a brain-based perspective, we want reinforcement to engage the prefrontal cortex. When we are curious about positive behavior, the worker typically engages their prefrontal to contemplate our curiosity. Our questions engage the prefrontal. The but engages the caveman brain. So how do you remember to always give equal attention to the rescue plan? Did someone in your past teach you this importance? Are there specific things you do to make sure you don't forget to do this extra work? The more curious you are about the behavior that you want to reinforce, the more you motivate your people to continue to display it. So when we deliver positive reinforcement, we should consider a three-prong approach. First, we should praise people in private so they know that it is from the heart. The deepest conversations you have with people are always one-on-one. This should be where we start. Private could be in an office setting or just going for a private walk on the job site. Hey, let's go for a walk. People are more likely to believe you are speaking to them from the heart when it's just the two of you and no one else knows about the conversation. It's a private thing just between the two of you. It's real. We tend to voice our deepest thoughts in private. In the public eye, we're more reserved. 
We can naturally be more concerned with what the company policy is and what the right words to say are in a public forum. I think all of us tend to vent a little about what we really think in private, but are more reserved in public. When we look at this through the encouragement lens, positive reinforcement tends to come more easily and be more genuine when we do it in private. The second step is to praise people in front of their peers. Another reinforcement quote from John Maxwell, everyone has an invisible sign hanging from them saying, make me feel important. There's a lot of research showing that social media is highly successful due to the dopamine drip of the like button. When viewed through Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we are moving beyond the money to buy groceries and influencing esteem needs and self-actualization. When we praise people in front of their peers, we are tapping into that form of influence. The other return on this investment is that we are showing others what we want to see more of in the organization. We are not speaking directly to them when we do this, but we are still influencing the other team members. They are witnessing what is most appreciated to the leaders in the organization. Sometimes when I teach this concept, people will mention that not everyone wants to be praised in public. There's some truth here that I would like to address. When you have a formal meeting where you bring a person to the front of the room to give them praise, sometimes you can unintentionally tap into public speaking anxiety. There's a lot of research to show that most people don't like to get in front of a big crowd and be the center of attention. Some of us safety people are masters at public speaking due to the job we have. But we have to be aware that a huge percentage of the population hates it with a passion. On one hand, we need to know our people well enough to know if these formal sessions are going to have the results we want. On the other hand, it's important to do a lot of informal public praise. When you are praising people in front of the other folks on their crew, they don't have a huge crowd staring at them. It's also perceived as more genuine because it's not an official meeting. So we need to be delicate with formal public praise, but also do a lot of informal public praise. The third step is to praise people in front of family or friends. In other words, praise people in front of those that they say, I love you too. The challenge with this one is that the opportunity doesn't present itself as often, but it can have the greatest lasting effect. Our industry, by nature, causes us to work long hours and spend a lot of time away from our family and friends. When you praise people in front of those that they say, I love you too, they tend to talk more about it after you leave. The conversation will most likely continue on the drive home and at the dinner table. A little bit of effort in the present morphs into a ton of influence in the future. A lot of people I meet question whether being gone from their loved ones so often is really worth the paycheck. When you praise people in front of family, you are tapping into the influence of see why I'm gone so often. These people need me. That can be pretty powerful when you think about it. Maybe you will see their spouse in the parking lot. Maybe you run into their kids at Home Depot. Whenever that opportunity does present itself, 
it's imperative we take advantage of it. So to finish this off, take out a piece of paper or make a new note in your phone. Make a list of your three top performers on your current project. They can be above you or below you on the org chart. They could be a subcontractor, a client, or any member of your team. Make a list of the three top performers in your current sandbox of work life. Beside their name, write one word that describes their strength. Then go back to that note and reflect on it at a later time when you can focus more on it. Make more notes about that strength. Write down some deep, sincere, accurate praise beside the one-word strength you listed. Now think of some historical examples of when they displayed that strength on the current project or a previous project. Then go into your calendar and think about times you might be engaging with them in the future. Create a calendar event to remind you to deliver that feedback in the future. And while you're there, make some other calendar reminders to just notice people, to remind yourself to look around the project and observe the good things that people are doing. Remember, our brain is working against this concept. There's more energy inside of us that directs us to look for what is wrong. There is also a tremendous amount of naturally occurring positive reinforcement for at-risk behavior that works against the safe behaviors we want to see more of. We have to create a defense for the naturally occurring offense. We need to use the technological tools we have available to remind our brains to do this work. It is not normal to do this, but we have great tools available to get better at it. So I hope you have enjoyed this series on the six principles of human performance. I'd appreciate it if you would rate the podcast, subscribe, and leave me a review. Till next time, I wish you all the best in your efforts to reduce incidents and better protect our most valuable resource, the people we work with. Have a beautiful, influential day. If you learned something valuable today, please share it with others. For more information, head over to leaderthink.com.